Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. I'm Kim France. And I'm Talia Bacassis. And we're here recording once again from our closets... Yes. To give you a little introduction to our excellent episode today. We recorded this episode about depression and fighting depression before the whole world changed, but there's still a lot of really pertinent information in it, and if anything, even more pertinent information given what's going on in the world now. Yeah, I will say it feels now like maybe not the best decision to have recorded so many episodes <laughs> to have lined up and ready to go because uh, the world has changed so much. But this is a topic that I think um, people are probably struggling with. I also read that Daily Beast article. You remember I sent you that thing? It was a certain amount of people who suffer from depression are feeling the opposite of that right now. Yes, and I think that's interesting and it makes a weird sense to me. How have you been feeling lately? I've been okay. I mean, mm. you know, I'm pretty prone to depression, but I've been exercising really regularly, which I think helps a lot. And I've got all my, you know, battalion of meds that help. But I'm more checked in with the people in my life than I usually am right now. Right. Like in normal times. And I think that has also helped. Mm-hmm. I was thinking also there's not really a sense that there are a lot of expectations around us right now and that like you don't even have to cancel plans like there's nothing like that going on. It's OK for you to be just sitting at home and watching TV. I don't mean you. I mean people. Yeah. No, I feel like definitely, you know, a woman who I follow on social media, Amy Rigby, is a singer songwriter and she and her husband both got sick. And she wrote a song because some people moved into the place next door. So she was like writing on Facebook about how people moved in next door. She wished she could say hello to them. Mm. Um, and so someone challenged her to write a song about it. And she wrote a song about it and in like 24 hours. And I was like, wow, <laughs> I'm glad somebody's being creative. Is it a good song? Yeah, it's a good <laughs> song. So 
This episode is with Danielle Henderson, and we hope you enjoy it. It's actually a pretty funny conversation for a conversation about depression. And so here's the episode. I am super excited today because we have my friend Danielle Henderson on the show. Uh, Danielle is a TV writer. She's written for Divorce and Maniac, which are two amazing shows. And she's a former editor for Rookie. Uh, but most importantly for me, she invented the feminist Ryan Gosling. Kim, did you ever see the feminist Ryan Gosling? Of course. It's <laughs> the funniest thing. It's basically memes of Ryan Gosling saying, hey, girl, with like the most thoughtful, um, caring, feminist possible quotes. I don't have any of them in front of me. It was I'm sure we can make Danielle recite some of them. I know. I mean, Danielle, we're in the middle of your intro. Jump in. Give me, the, give me your favorite one. One of my favorite ones is um, it's a picture from Drive with him just gazing out of a window so you don't even see his face. And it just says, hey, girl, I mean, woman. <laughs> <laughs> but the rest are like very heavy feminist theory, kind of <laughs> like an academic interpretation of I know, of, but uh, some of them were very tender. <laughs> They were. They were. I'm a very tender person. <laughs> I don't know if he is, but I am. I feel like he is. Do you, did you ever get any feedback from Ryan Gosling about it? Strangely, I have a friend who's an actress who auditioned on a movie he was directing, and she mentioned it to him, and he was like, oh, yeah, I like that. Like, oh, no <laughs> way. Yeah. And then there was a commercial that he did, um, or like a promo that he did with Russell Crowe for the, the good guys or the nice guys, mm-hmm. um, and he held up my book and was like, you have to work up to this. Like, you can't just say you're feminist. <laughs> so, no. Yeah. I think oh, he's in good spirits about it, which is nice, because I just put out a picture of like 100 picture, pictures of his face. So. <laughs> Thanks for taking that in stride. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. My best friend and I spent months sending like sending them back and forth to each other. Aw, yeah. you're so sweet. Um, and your memoir is coming out this year? Uh, next year. Next it was year. supposed to come out this year, but I guess everyone's really skittish about the election in publishing. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of, I guess there are just no books that are going to come out between September and December. <laughs> it <laughs> like, sounds that way. It yeah. does. The title of your book, I hope, will not be relevant to the election. Because it'll be I called The Ugly Cry. <laughs> it will be called The Ugly Cry. Great title. We've it's done a lot of ugly title. crying. My grandmother, the title is, I mean, it's a memoir about my life up to age 18. And my um, my grandmother used to always say that to me when I was a kid. She used to say that to every kid when I, when, when I was growing up. Um, because whenever children cry around her, it's just like the funniest thing in the world to her. <laughs> so she's like, oh, you look so ugly when you cry. <laughs> And then she'll start laughing in the hopes that you'll start laughing. But then as I got older, I realized I don't think she cares if I laugh. I think she just it just really cracks her up. <laughs> so it comes from a very, very personal place. But we all do some ugly crying now and then. I have to say, I might like watching children cry because I sometimes on my Facebook feed, those videos pop up of kids crying when their parents like try to feed them things they don't want or where they tell them they ate all their Halloween candy or whatever. And I enjoy that <laughs> oh, because they're so delicious. <laughs> those ones are so good. I, those ones have made the rounds in my circles, especially the ones where people take away their kids Halloween candy. And mm. most of my friends who don't have kids go, oh, that's so mean. And most of my friends who have kids are like, it's such good payback. Like, <laughs> I, I do not have children but those videos kill me and it, you also just realize that like kids just have no perspective no. <laughs> like, no. this is the worst thing that's ever happened to you kid get some perspective no they have one concern <laughs> um well uh no segue here but today's topic is a heavy one um we're mm. talking about depression 
because on the show we want to talk about things that people don't necessarily talk about, and one of those things is depression. And I found this terrifying statistic that one in eight middle-aged women in the United States has depression. Wow, I think that's that's low to me. I know. Like, <laughs> oh, really? Who, who are they talking yeah. to? For me, it's like one in like one in three women I talk to. Really? Kind of depression. Yeah. yeah. Well, what it does mean is that women from forty to fifty-nine have the highest rate of depression of any group based on age and gender. Wow. Yeah. And that's according to the CDC. And then when I was Googling it, too, I found this Bloomberg article that was just published that said, middle age misery peaks at age 47.2, economists say. And I was like, <laughs> God, that's awful. 47.2, um, exactly. <laughs> I know. I know. But it's, you know, anyway, it's not it's not just us also. It's our friends, our husbands, our boyfriends, our girlfriends, our everybody. And hopefully today we're going to talk a bit about surviving it. Danielle, you had a good way of framing it when we chatted, like leveling out. So we'll get to that idea yeah. later on. Um, but basically, no pressure. We're counting on you to make this not depressing. No sweat. <laughs> no sweat. I look like a Cabbage Patch Kid and I laugh all the time. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so before we start, Kim, I also know this is a big subject for you. So tell us a bit about your experience with depression. Yeah, I've had some pretty serious depression in my life. Um, my first one hit, I think I was like low-level depressed as a kid. Grew up with an alcoholic parent. That was very tough. But my first real depression hit when I was 30, after I quit drinking and had a very heartbreaking breakup. Um, I went on antidepressants. It went away. I stupidly went off antidepressants years later um, when I was at Lucky. But my depression came back, and it was worse than anything I'd ever experienced. It was just incredibly dark. And having to go to a job like that and perform on the level I had to when I felt like I couldn't get out of bed in the morning was just torture. Mm. Things eventually got so bad that I was hospitalized mm. um, for a month. And while, you were, while you were at Lucky? While I was at Lucky. Did you hospitalize yourself or was it like... No, I hospitalized myself. The people around me were ready to um, intervene, Mm. but I came to it myself. It's a little more complicated than that, but it's it's an episode for another day, that (laughs) whole stuff. The depression, you know, I wasn't cured when I got out of the hospital. I was better. Um, But I have a, a depression that is highly resistant to medication. I've, I have taken everything a person can take. Maybe you have to. Danielle is nodding. I've taken so many antidepressants. Everything in combination with everything else, antipsychotics, anything that, you know, doctors, I'm not psychotic, but doctors will throw all sorts of drugs at you when they're trying to find a solution. Mm. The last 10 years have been relatively good. Um, however, in the fall, it just came on like a lightning bolt. Mm. It just came on out of nowhere and with no trigger and lasted a few weeks and then went away. Yeah, I remember you texted me or we spoke about it at some point and you said, I'm just warning you, things are fine, but I'm starting to feel that that my depression is coming back. So if I'm not very responsive, it must be scarier for you than it is for other people to hear. Well, it's, it's, it's terrifying, but the thing I know now is that it goes away again. Right. When it happened when I was at Lucky, that deep a depression, a like not get out of bed in the morning depression, sometimes stay in bed till three or four in the afternoon depression. I got cancer during that period and I was more upset about the depression. Wow. 
because I knew what they were going to do for the cancer. I, they caught it very early. I was going to have surgery and then radiation, and I was going to be fine. But the depression was a really big question mark. Mm. Nothing was working. Therapy wasn't working. Medication wasn't working. And I didn't see the end of that road. Now I can see the end of the road. Even when I'm depressed, I know that, like, I'll go to my brilliant psychopharmacologist and he'll figure it out for me. Right. Hmm. But it is kind of, I mean, I find that in in a similar way that it took me a long time to understand um, what triggered my depression, what my depression was, and then to even identify what it was when I was younger. Uh, because no one in my family talks about depression. No one in my family acknowledged that it was a depression. You know, my grandmother, I grew up with my grandparents. Um, um, after my mom left my brother and I at her house for a weekend and never came back when I was 10. Wow. And she moved to the city with her new boyfriend and started a new family and had her own life um, for, for reasons that are very complicated. Um, but I lived with the two of them, my mother and her boyfriend, for, for three years when I was younger. Um, and it was a disaster because he was fully a drug addict, um, addicted to crack, cocaine, heroin, everything. Mm. And within three years, I never lived with my mom again. Um, so I was really in kind of a, like a very tumultuous place emotionally. But growing up with someone whose idea of dealing with sadness was get over it. Mm. So I never really was able to even acknowledge that I was depressed until I was it, late in my teens. Like 18, 19 years old. Can you backtrack um, a second? Like when was your first memory of having a depressed episode? I think I first felt like I was depressed when like super deeply suicidally depressed when I was 15. Mm -hmm. Like that was the first time I felt it. Um, I'd felt minor depressions prior to that where like I'd make plans with friends and then suddenly didn't feel like I could go out. Um, staying in bed all weekend, sleeping in like constantly. Um and just feeling like there was no, just feeling like the world just wasn't built for me. Mm -hmm. Like I felt depression in a in a really grand way, um, if you can say that, back then, where I felt like I was detached from the entire world. Well, depressives are isolators. Yeah. Self-isolators. You start thinking that you have, you're not worthy of anything or anyone and that you're bringing everyone down. Exactly. And often you are. Yeah. Which makes it even worse. Like, why would I be around you when I feel this way? I have nothing to contribute to make you smile or to even interact with you in a real way. I made the mistake when I got depressed again of telling my mother, um, who at this point is 82, and it, it, it worries more than she used to. And um, you, can't, you can't explain that to people who don't get depressed in a way that they can understand. And for parents, I imagine it's, it's really difficult in a, in a different way um, because a lot of parents, not mine, <laughs> but a lot of parents, uh, they want to help their kids and their whole job as a parent, even, in, even into their, their children's adulthood, is to be there as a source of comfort. And you, it's very difficult to comfort a depressed person. Um, there's not much you can say that can trump those negative thoughts that you're constantly turning in your head. So you could have someone, um, you know, tell you they love you or they care about you or they want to help you. And you're like, there's no way that you can help me. I don't know why you love me. Um, you know, none of this matters. So, Daniel, how did you get out of it? It's like you said, a long road. Um, I first went to um, therapy when I was 19. And I'm very grateful to Planned Parenthood. And I always will be. 
because it just so happened that I went there for my first gynecological exam. And in the course of their questioning, they had asked me about my mood. And no hmm. doctor had ever done that before. Huh. Like I, I'd only ever seen like my pediatrician up to that point, and he didn't care. Hmm. Um, you know, rest in peace, Dr. Kanye, but he didn't give a shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I went to Planned Parenthood, and I was doing my first exam, and they were asking me these questions about my mood. They were the first people to ask me if I'd ever had suicidal thoughts. Hmm. They were the first people to ask me, um, you know, in the course of this questioning, just kind of seeing what my answers were to ask me questions about my mood. Oh, it's giving me chills. It was a, We must fund Planned Parenthood. Yes. I will never not fund them. I will never not send them money. I always send them a monthly donator. Me I will too. constantly. They are, they are life-saving in many different ways that have nothing to do with pregnancy <laughs> and have nothing to do with birth. Hmm. And so that was the first time I saw a therapist. Um, and she was able to prescribe some drugs. And she started with um, Zoloft and Trazodone because I was I've been an insomniac since I was a little kid. Trazodonia. Trazodonia. <laughs> Go to sleep. Trazodonia <laughs> makes you really groggy, Tally. <laughs> and so they call it the, they call the place you enter when you take Trazodone. Trazodonia. And it worked because I wouldn't. I, I had such a hard time falling asleep because I was always very fearful. Mm-hmm. That something was going to happen to me in the night, and that's because I, you know, I'd lived with this man who was very abusive. This, you know, my my mom's boyfriend and future stepfather um, was incredibly abusive, and so nighttime was not safe for me. And I just stayed awake to prepare and myself. Sleep for deprivation must make you extra depressed. Like it must, Absolutely. it must really yeah. mess with your mood. Absolutely, sleep deprivation is like the number one way that I when I when I'm not sleeping, I know that something's on the horizon and I need to address because that is the first indicator, like canary in a coal mine for me. Hmm. Oh, I was thinking but, of it the opposite way. Like sleep deprivation will give you a harder time regulating your mood, and it'll lead it to does. depression. But you're saying it's also like an indicator that something exactly it's, is it's coming. Both. Mm. Yeah, it's both. It's both. But yeah, I just I kind of that's how I started my path to therapy. And I think therapy is how I started my path to uh, addressing my depression in a way that felt like I'm not cured, but I'm able to manage it. Mm -hmm. And it's been I mean, that was what, like 23 years ago. Um, What is happening behind you guys? They're having a a, a staff meeting. And I think that they must be getting lots of good news because they keep clapping. (laughs) I think it was it was basically the last four or five years when I started to understand my depression in a way that felt like I have more good days than bad. Um, I got divorced. I moved from Seattle back to New York City. Um, I had left not only my husband, but I left my PhD program. I left like a bunch of things behind and was just kind of really starting over in a lot of different ways. Um, and I knew that therapy is good for me. Talk therapy is something that works with, works for me. Um, but I hadn't been medicated in a long time. It had been, you know, like three or four years. Um, the last drug I tried was Effexor prior to that. And when I decided that I was done with Effexor, um, I stopped cold turkey. Mm. And it was a nightmare. Effexor is, is famous for that, right? Yeah. I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> <laughs> But I know that now. <laughs> See, I just think ever since I went off meds inadvisedly, um, you know, 15 years ago, I've just known meds are part of my life. They're That's always going to be in it. Ex- exactly. And I think that is a point of healing that I didn't expect because I used to be very fearful of the fact that I'd be on medication for the rest of my life. It seems like um, 
like something that you could be chastised for or a failure on my part in some way. Um, but I, when I started thinking of it in terms of like, this is just what helps me live mm. my life, then it became so much, it, it's unquestionably better. Well, it's be like they it. always say, if you had a liver condition, you'd take a drug for your liver condition. If you have an emotional condition, you should take a drug for that. Completely. And then find the right combination of drugs. Yes. Which is another <laughs> another level to jump up altogether. Um, but it was kind of um, special to to talk with my therapist when I when I got to New York. Um, I found a really great, great therapist who I, you know, you just have to pick them from a list if you're going through insurance. You never know anything about who they are before you sit down in front of them. Um, so I chose my therapist because she, in her photo, had an eyebrow piercing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, she'll get it. She was Asian and she had an eyebrow piercing. And I'm like, oh, she She's totally going to get it. It's a whole life. Uh, and she did. She was fantastic. I was lucky that I judged her correctly from her photo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, she was the first person to say to me that depression is not does not have to be my constant condition, that it's something that I live with and live through, but it's not a bomb waiting to go off inside of me. Mm-hmm. It was really helpful. We're going to take a quick break for some ads. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin. And I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry leading sustainability standards. You know, I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks 
more juicy, I guess is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Uh, okay. So you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. Welcome back to Everything is Fine. Can we talk a little bit about how people react to depression? Yes, please. Um, <laughs> I used to cut and paste and send to my older brother, who I adore and who only wants the best for me, but I would send him articles about 10 things not to say to a depressive person because he would say them all to me constantly. Oh my like, brothers are just... Are they notorious for that? Is that like the, the standard condition? Because my brother is the same exact way. Go take a walk. Just I don't want to take a walk. I feel like I have no skin. Okay. I can't go outside. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite is like he knows my like my brother knows I like tea, so he'd be like, just make a cup of tea and just like watch a funny movie. And I'm like, oh, you don't get it at all. I kind of want like I want to kill someone or die. Like you Aww. don't understand. <laughs> the day before, the night before, I went away to the hospital. My brothers came over with my mom to see me, and my older brother told me the story of a man he knew who lost his wife and child in a plane accident, and he woke up every day and told himself, I'm a happy person, until he felt better. And I said, Mike, Wait. he was a happy person. That's exactly. That was supposed to be helpful? <laughs> that was supposed to be helpful. <laughs> and I love my brother. I do. But, right. but And he really, you know, he cared, and it was scary for all of them when I was going through this. Mm. But um, people who don't get it, you can't get it unless right. you've dealt with it. I think if you're a, if you're a therapist and you're trained to understand it, has your depression changed as you got older? What I've learned about it, I think, over the past few years, is um, that medication is key, and to constantly talk to your psychopharmacologist about how you're feeling about your medication to not just do the refills without talking to them about how they make you feel. Um, and I think I honestly lost my mind when I moved when I moved to L.A. Um, I was so sad. I was so, so mm. sad. I felt like I had been pushed there instead of making a choice to be there. You moved it, there for work? I moved there for work, yeah. Mm. And it just felt awful. I love L.A., but I can't imagine it's an easy place to be depressed. It's relentless. It's relentless sunshine and relentless, like, you know, kind of this laissez-faire attitude. And I'm like, I already don't jive well with this. But it really is hard to be depressed in a place that is so aspirational for people. Mm -hmm. And people love the fact that they could be there and they plan to be there and they wanted to be there. And then here I am like a goblin crawling out of my house every couple of days like, oh, God, I can't believe this is like what you actually chose. And it's just, yeah, it does not feel good. If I lived in Los Angeles and got depressed, I would just smoke a shit ton of pot. Oh my God. I know that would be the road to perdition for me. It is so tempting every time. But this is also interesting <laughs> because as I've gotten older, I've realized that part of managing my depression is not drinking and not doing any Absolutely. Substances. And I've never been big on drugs. Like the only drug I've ever tried is marijuana, but I won't, I can see that as a depressive um, because it has been in so many of my relationships part of someone else's depression. Uh, and I just don't use it as a, a way to relax. I just have kind of cut substances out as a way to manage my mind. And oh, it feels like. Kim literally yeah. said this to me yesterday. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I am big on drugs. I love right. drugs. I love drinking. <laughs> I don't do any of those things currently. But um, I was in the fall. And I think that's right. part of why the depression came back. It and really can be. It's a really, it's a bummer lesson, but it's true. It's just one more reason. And any doctor will tell you that. Completely. Any doctor will tell you. You know, um, I have a college housemate who um, had a college housemate who I chose as my housemate 99% because she always had the best pot on campus. <laughs> and she always had pot. Right. I can admit that about myself. About five years ago, she committed suicide, mm. oh. and um, we were out of touch for years. Um, so I can't know, but I wondered if she ever stopped getting high. Right. Because oh. if she never stopped getting high, nothing would work. And if she was doing more and more, or yeah. if it was you know, using other things to try to get that feeling. Yeah. It's, it's something that I, I don't talk about a lot because I don't think people want to hear it. Everyone's so excited that marijuana is legal in certain places and um, you know, they want to feel the, the hype, the hype, hyper feelings that that gives them. Um, but it is a depressant. It is. <laughs> and so it will, like all drugs, hit different people in different ways. Mm. And I think that it's, um, it's kind of scary to me. And it always drugs have always been a little scary to me because of how I grew up because I always saw the negative side right. of it. Um, but marijuana in particular, I feel like in my life, um, it does not work to give me, to engender any feelings of goodness. It makes me either very, very low and catatonic or kind of puts me in a state where I'm a little bit too apathetic, but I can feel myself being apathetic. It's just, it just right. does not work for me. Yeah, no, I, um, I love pot. And I would smoke it if I could, yeah. um, but I'm I'm a, I'm problematic with it, and I know it. I know it does not help my mood. Completely. I, I you know in the moment it helps my mood, right? But long term it, it it does bad things. Well, I wanted to get to the idea that you mentioned uh, over email to me about leveling out. Like, what does that look like for you? So right right now, when I say that I'm leveled out. I mean that I can, I can feel a full spectrum of feelings and emotions without feeling instantly depressed by any of them. Um, I can target and locate when I'm starting to feel low and starting to feel depressed and take actions to, to help me fix that and to heal from that. But mostly it just really means I used to be so, as a, as a child and as a young adult and you know up until recently, I used to feel like their depression was going to end me at some point. Like I would die from depression mm -hmm. at some point. And I now kind of feel like I can live with these feelings, the good, the bad, everything in between, and not have such the, the roller coaster of emotion about them. So I kind of feel like I've learned how to process emotionally the way that most people probably learn as children and carry throughout their lives. I've just learned how to do that. Um, so I'm not able to, you know, I don't, I don't really allow myself to fall into a well as much as I used to with even processing my emotions. It's kind of like, well, this is how I feel and it will go away and it's okay. Um, or even just learning how to enjoy good feelings because that's also very difficult when you've been depressed for most yeah. of your life. Um, to kind of enjoy goodness and not feel like that's like a, some kind of bastion of, you know, some kind of portent of something bad to come. Yeah. Um, do you feel you're don't. not even Jewish like, and you think I that? I know. I know. <laughs> Tell me that. 
<laughs> but it's true. It's true. Like I used to every time I had a good feeling, I would instantly feel like, well, that's not going to last. But do like, you, I'm, like, I was do you, very so dubious about it. Well, both of you, do, do you feel like you have moments of joy still? Oh more. Yeah. yeah, yeah, more than ever before, more okay. than ever before, and yeah. I and I value them completely. You know, mm-hmm. when they happen, I can I can recognize like things are going really well right now, and I'm in a good headspace, and I am so goddamn grateful that that's so. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I do think that the ability to enjoy things in a full way has brought more goodness into my life, and more people who can who are more understanding into my life. You talked before, like about woo woo LA stuff, and it made me think <laughs> of, um, well, there's a lot of talk now about gratitude and keeping gratitude journals, and I know that stuff comes off as really hokey, but I do see the value in being thankful when things are good, and I was just wondering if any of that resonated with you, or if you you do find mm-hmm. it too hokey. I mean, I've I've never personally been able to successfully keep a gratitude journal, but I do yeah. um, journal every day. And I think that in the process of writing down the good things, it is useful um, if you're the kind of person that goes back and, and, and reads your journals or reads your writing or needs that reminder. Um, it can be very useful to set a, a tone for your own life. Yeah. I've, I mean, between my depression and my addiction, I've been in many programs. <laughs> and gratitude has always been part of them. Right. And... I think the way the time it helped me the most is when they said, write down three things that went well today. Mm. And, you know, some days it's just like I had a nice walk with my dogs. I talked to my mom. You know, there was no line at the deli. Right. Some some days it's (laughs) really, (laughs) really slim pickings. But (laughs) it and I've never made a habit of doing it, but I do think it really works. I agree. Yeah. Mm. I don't know why I can't get into the habit of it. Yeah. I mean, it's even now I was just reading yesterday that it's supposed to be, you know, help make you a more disciplined person as well. Really? Yes. The gratitude journal specifically? Or yes. Just, wow. Gratituding. All right. Let's <laughs> start gratituding, y'all. Go to the beach. <laughs> I'm pretty disciplined, though. I think that's also something that I, I don't really get a chance to talk to when it comes to depression. But I, I think that's a part of my healing as well, is that I'm, I'm very disciplined. And I get up at, you know, 5 o'clock every morning. And, oh my God. you know, I write for three hours before wow. I look at my phone or look at my computer and, or look at the Internet. Um, and I've recently started exercising about a treadmill because I hate gyms and I hate like yoga and I, I just hate studios. I just can't with any kind of public exercise. Um, but I bought a treadmill because I've been reading about how exercise helps the, the brain as well. Um, and Another always, thing people always say. <laughs> I know. And I've always had such a hard time with that because I'm like, I was not inured. Like I, I did not become a person who could accept exercise because when I was growing up, it was very clearly like the jocks and everyone else. Mm -hmm. And exercise was always seen as, for me, a thing that you did if you didn't have an intellectual life, (laughs) (laughs) which seems harsh. And I know now that that's not the case, but I was resistant for a very long time for moving my body in any way, but it made me very disconnected from my body. And I think that if you're exercising in a way that you're trying to address the connection between brain and body, that feels better to me than like, I have to lose 10 pounds or I have to like do whatever. Um, so that's what I'm trying now. It's this new level of like, that's my goal for this year is to figure out how to connect brain and body and hopefully heal in that yeah. way. Yeah, no, I don't work out regularly. I have, I don't now. And 
I know it's important to have that in place because when you're depressed and it's the most important that you're working out, you cannot get yourself to work out. You cannot get out of bed. You can't get out of bed. You can't do anything. But it sounds like you've had periods when you've been very productive when you've been depressed, though. I have. And that is – it's a crushing feeling. It's very strange. But I've I've felt in my life like I don't have a choice. Um, I don't have – a family to rely on the way that most people do. I've been self-sufficient since I was 17 years old. Um, I have to plow through. Even when I'm depressed, I have to go to work. Even when I'm depressed, I have to, like I've never been able to give into my depression in that deep of a way. That's what saved you. It's, it really did. It really did. Forcing me to be out in the world is part of what saved me, for real. And I might show up to work and go cry in the bathroom every 10 minutes, and I might <laughs> show up to work and completely mess up your coffee order, but I had to do it because yeah. I knew that, like, I had to pay my rent and I had to take care of myself. Um, so that was a different kind of discipline, you know, where you, where I felt like I didn't. And that's something that my grandmother instilled in me, that I didn't have a choice, that I had to. You know, I would have cramps and she'd be like, get up and go to school. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Everyone else I know that has cramps, their moms are like bringing them warm blankets and mm. compresses and aspirin. And she's like, have some tea, have some toast and get out of here. <laughs> like, it is not the end of the world. Every woman on the planet has cramps. <laughs> That's awesome. So it really did help. At the time, I didn't see it as building a, a practice of discipline. At the time, it felt like punishment. Um, but she was really a big part of helping me realize that you know, you have you do have to sometimes just get through a day. And however that looks for you, you, again, I would go to work and do my thing and then come home and be completely catatonic and watching movies and bad TV shows on, on the couch. Um but knowing that I, I couldn't rest in it too long was, was part of what saved me for sure. We probably should wrap it up. Um, I have one question for you, Tally, though. I don't know if that's, if that's okay. But yeah. um, you'd mentioned that you don't deal with depression. Yeah. So I'm wondering how has depression hit you in your life? Like how have you, have you had to support people who have been depressed? Do you, do you feel like you can do that? Do you feel inadequate when it happens? Like, Well, I said it because I didn't want to like – I didn't want to aggrandize like the sort of smaller depressive episodes that I've had. Like I haven't been on medication necessarily, but I have had Mm. many depressed episodes and some of them are natural. Like my mom died um, Mm. 12 years ago and I was very depressed after that. But I mean, that's grief. You're allowed to be depressed when you're grieving. It's just the process. Um, But my father has, I think, really struggled with depression. And so it it affected our our lives growing up and it was never really diagnosed or dealt with in any way he's moroccan and really old school and mm. talk therapy is not really part of his culture so it's sort of woven in and out of my life but it's not something that is it, that i've necessarily had to deal with my whole life the way you guys have right but i think that gives you a, little, a different level of compassion as well yeah just yeah. being able to identify that and to see that you know it might exist in your father or people around you or that you know in your own depressive episodes are triggered by by grief <laughs> i mean that yeah. is it's still part I of mean the over the holidays we were all kind of sitting around the house really bored and i booked us tickets to go to the circus and nobody in my house wanted to go and it made me feel so shitty and it it did start a thing for like 4 days over the christmas holidays where I just lay in bed, I read my book, and I did a lot of crying. And it felt like so out of control, like I was crying so much, but it felt mm-hmm. like the closest thing that I'd had to a a depression. And it, yeah. it wasn't, like it didn't really make sense. You know, it was all sort of triggered by these circus tickets. <laughs> <laughs> 
I feel like doing jazz hands right now. Like, that's depression. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it lifted. Yeah. It it just sort of, after four days, I sort of got up and that was that. Huh. I don't don't mean that was that, like, and then I was over it and then I danced my way out of it. I just mean, like, I I got out of bed and I kept slogging. Yeah. I feel like dancing your way out of it should be part of the reparations of depression. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you have to do some kind of routine dance. Answer your way out. Well, thank you so much, Danielle. This has been yeah, this was awesome. Of course, this really is good. Fantastic. I'm so glad to talk with you, and I'm always glad to talk with adult women who understand their emotional lives in a different way. <laughs> Do you want to tell people how they can find you? Uh, I mostly only use Instagram right now, and it's just my name, Danielle Henderson. Um, there's another Danielle Henderson on Instagram who lives in Texas and does a lot of like sorority things, and I'm not, I'm that not one. her. <laughs> I'm not that one. <laughs> I'm the other one. We'll <laughs> Lots of pictures that. of cats. And <laughs> that one. You know what else we should do? Um, we should get one of those phone numbers that you can call if you're depressed. Yes. If you suffer from depression or have suicidal thoughts, you can call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Thanks for listening to Everything is Fine. We are your hosts, Kim France. And Talia Bacassius. <laughs> I'll say my own name. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'm sorry. If you like the show, be sure to rate it and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have suggestions for show ideas or anything else, email us at tallyandkim at gmail.com. And that's T-A-L-L-Y. We also have an Instagram that is EIF Podcast. You can find me on my blog, girlsofacertainage.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.